When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Minnesota sports fans, we know all too well how it feels to sign up for a lifetime of purple pain. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. Happy Black Friday, everybody. I'm Jesse Pierce, your favorite Minnesota Wild beat writer turned Vikings uh, bandwagoner, maybe. We'll say that. I'll admit it. It's true. I'm all on. All on board. Pro- oh. Yes, yes, exactly. And this is Purple Dailies before we die on Score North. He's Thor Nystrom. He's been betting on the Vikings his entire life. Good for him. Uh, and he's Ross Brendel. Ross, you love the Minnesota Vikings. Why? Well, the pain lets me know that I'm still alive. However, the only pain I'm feeling today is from the tireditis from all the turkey and food on Thanksgiving. Yeah. No Minnesota Vikings pain today. No Minnesota Vikings pain, you guys. They bounce back on Turkey Day to get a 33-26 victory over the New England Patriots. Uh, doing what the Vikings do by winning in the fourth quarter, making you hang on to the edge of your seats, probably consume a little bit too many uh, post-Turkey bevies in order to get through the game. Uh, was Was the outcome ever in doubt? For you guys, did you guys at any point think, oh, no, they're going to drop this one. They're not going to win it. Or did you know, hey, this is what the Vikings do. They win close games. Were you guys always on that side of things? What were your thought process yesterday? It was definitely in doubt. Um, I mean, like, you know, into the fourth quarter or whatever. But I did I did feel pretty confident in the second half with the way that the Vikings had picked it up. You know, after that, that one interception that led to the field goal where then uh, New England was up 10 to 7. The Vikings offense just started clicking after that. And it just felt like they they had control of it after that. They just needed to pick themselves up off the mat after that. And of course, the, the bigger story here is picking yourself off the mat, coming four days off of that horrific loss to the Cowboys. And they did that. They improved it to nine and two now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this game for me, Thor and Jesse had a lot of the eight and one feel to the Minnesota Vikings and a lot less of that 0 and one feel to the Dallas Cowboys. It just it never necessarily felt like the Vikings were for sure going to win, but I never felt like the Patriots were going to run away with the game and leave the mm-hmm. Vikings with no opportunity to win the game. I don't, again, it's another game that you watch and you see more good than bad. There's still a lot to correct. And I think a lot to still nitpick from, but at the end of the day, you're nine and two as Thor mentioned just a huge bounce back victory. I mean, that that game last night could have gone multiple different ways. I loved KOC in the offense coming out right away in a borderline no huddle, 
Let's just get going. Let's get mm-hmm. moving. Let's try and catch the Patriots off guard a little bit. And oh, by the way, Bill Belichick was up against the same thing and basically did the exact same thing to start the game. So the game within the game was also fun to monitor. I mean, the Pats are now in question for the playoffs, right? Like that's a big question, big loss for them. Did you guys see the brush off you did to Adam Thielen, our boy, Adam Thielen? Like, what's that? What is that all about? Well, it it goes back to there. There was a 2018 shouting match between Adam Thielen and Bill Belichick, where I forget the Patriots player's name Thor might remember, but basically late in the game, Adam, I think, thought that a Patriot was faking an injury to give them more time to come up with a play. Mm-hmm. And he told uh, he told Bill that's BS, not saying BS. And then yes. Bill told Bill basically told him what uh, Chris Boyd told the fans earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I don't know. Are we really trying to give Adam Thielen credit for seeking Bill Belichick out? I think they were both just kind of in the same area. I'm not look, I get it. Adam's a pretty good guy, but I'm not sure he was going he's out. He's from Minnesota, lane. if you didn't know. So that yeah. means he's an automatic good guy, I think. Ross, it was Patrick Chung and very good recollection on that. Yeah. Okay. There were some and, naughty words shared between the two. And did did Adam play at Mankato State at the time and then go undrafted? I think. Oh my gosh, I think I do think so. That sounds it, accurate. I think uh, they should talk about that more in the NFL broadcast. I wish they did. I wish more people knew about it. Uh, speaking of even post-game, Kurt Cousins, was there anybody happier eating an incredibly dry turkey leg at, <laughs> in their post-game, right? Like, Kirk just looked so happy. The turkey looked rough, rough yeah. turkey. He, he was um, glowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he was glowing. He was having a good time with the turkey. And, and then he was even talking about getting grills in his teeth. So maybe maybe Kirk O'Grills is going to be the next incarnation of this guy, but he should be happy, right? Yeah. I mean, he went he went thirty for thirty seven, two hundred ninety nine yards, three tutties. He did have that one, the aforementioned interception, mm-hmm. which is on him. It, it was a straight overthrow that, yep. that went beyond the receiver and right to the defender. But outside of that, he was he was very good on uh, on Thursday night and on a prime time, no prime time, prime time game, you know? exactly. Yeah, and against a very good defense as well. Right. KOC in his post game. I don't know if you guys saw his post game locker room speech, but he handed out the game balls. And one of the first things he said was uh, tonight's game started at 725. And last time I checked, that's a prime time game. And your, <laughs> your quarterback threw for 299 yards and three touchdowns. I getting mean, a game ball. And I feel like we ask ourselves this constantly, right? Like you Kirk again this season, while the stats don't compare to his statistically best year, he is having a hell of a year. Like he really is such a reason that these Minnesota Vikings are now nine and two, right? Like I think everybody has to face that fact. The ones, the Kirk haters are furious, right? Like they don't want to admit it, but he is, he's showing up. And in yesterday, another fantastic example of uh, a team leading quarterback uh, in Kirk cousins. Yeah. Play played very well, you know, and then, you know, again, they, they, I think the Vikings scored on five consecutive possessions after they went down. And, and that's a, a large part of that is because of Kirk Cousins. He was just on. He was completing all the passes. And you also have to give enormous amount of credit to both the offensive line. But also, we got after Kevin O'Connell quite a bit on Monday about the, the really bizarre game plan that he had for the Cowboys. The lack of adjustments during the Cowboys game. The adjustments were made in this game for sure to help out that offensive line, but the offensive line stepped up as well. Uh, Blake Brandle 
who, you know, in, in the previous game where, you know, how, how, you know, poorly he did against Micah Parsons and stuff like that. And the offensive line as a whole gave up seven sacks in that game and a, a re- like a pressure rate that was like double as much as Patrick Mahomes had faced in that, that one Super Bowl that, you know, that, that everyone brings up a bunch. The offensive line only gave up, was it one sack or two sacks? Two sacks. Two sacks. Yeah, I mean, and great bounce back performance. And, and Matthew Judon, he was on a milk cart in the whole game. Who would have predicted that coming in? <laughs> yeah, and, and to your point on the offensive line, uh, Blake Brandle, no relation to Ross Brendel, really only got beat one time. And, and if you would have told me going into the game that he would, you never want to give up a sack, but I think he's only credited with giving up one of the two sacks. If you would have told me that that would have been the case and that Kirk Cousins last night, by and large would have fairly clean pockets against that defense and throw for 299 yards. Mm-hmm. I think the logical expectation would have been, yeah, the Vikings are going to win this game. And they did now nine and two clearly. I mean, we've been saying it for a few weeks now, but it's almost a ma- I don't want to say this because I know the franchise that I'm talking about, but it's almost a mathematical improbability that the Minnesota Vikings won't win this division it's right. looking more and more likely that they're going to be the number two seed, at least the number two seed. So from here on out, it is all about trying to find a way to shore up things and get better at areas you are deficient in. Fix the fixable problems, right? Uh, you know, while we're handing out awards for yesterday's game, Justin Jefferson, how many awards? I mean, how good is this guy? He continues to be just fantastic. 139 receiving yards, a game high, nine receptions. Uh, you know, he sets the NFL record for most receiving yards in a player's first three seasons, surpassing our boy Randy Moss with 4,163. Jefferson now has 4,428 in his career that has spanned 44 games. Moss had done that in 48. Uh, I mean, just what else can we even say about this kid, right? Like, it's just, I'm glad he's here. I'm so freaking glad he is in purple. A, a thousand percent. Yeah. And and I, we got to talk about that one catch he made where it, it was, you know, he, he was, I mean, there was the cornerback was just, you know, completely on him. And then he, Jefferson catches the ball, even though he gets smoked by the, the safety who descended down. I mean, th- that was an all time contested catch. Um, well, not all time because he had the better one against the Bills, but like <laughs> it's like every single week he makes catches where it's like, how did you do that? Yeah. Um, for any other receiver in the league, that is one that you know, might be the best catch of their career. For Justin Jefferson, it was his second best of the last it was a three Thursday. weeks. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. <laughs> and and he's he's on a historical pace for uh, a receiver in his third season. I mean, he's just blowing these previous marks that like other elite Hall of Fame receivers have have set. Um, and, and the statistics are starting to get really ridiculous. He he now Jefferson now has has gone over a hundred yards in twenty one of his forty four career games. That's just stupid. Mm-hmm. It's just in it like I yeah you can't like you it's I'm, I'm trying to put into words guys apologies for like the duh, 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 things but like I don't even, you can't even describe it because you do you can't you always kind of question like. How can he get better? How can he do better than this? Right. Sometimes. And, but that's what elite players do. That's what the best receivers in the national football league do. They manage to outdo themselves each and every week. And, and again, for anybody, and I don't think there's been many Justin Jefferson doubters, not only here in Minnesota, but just in general, but for anybody that has ever doubted him, like you, you can't, you can't, he is the best. Well, and I think the beauty of him too, is when you talk about any player, as they start to age, you start to think about, okay, Uh, How quickly will they come back to the pack, excuse me, 
And what areas might they start to become deficient in? Well, for him, I don't really think it matters because he is a great runner. He's good in space. He's actually one thing people don't pay enough attention to. Watch some of those big runs that Delvin Cook has. Look at who's springing some of those blocks on the outside. That's Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. You want players like that that buy in in all aspects of the game. And look, I'm not saying that. Well, you're okay with Justin Jefferson five, six, seven years from now losing a step because he's okay in the run game. But what I'm saying is all those things matter, especially when the the bar for winning and losing games in the NFL, it, it's so small and everything matters and he does it all well. And I will add Dalvin Cook this year, by the way, in pass protection has been really good sliding over and taking shots to protect his quarterback. Yeah, That stuff that stuff does not go unnoticed by, I think, a lot of fans. And I know it doesn't go unnoticed by the coaching staff. And, Ross, you're talking about, like, you know, these close games and, and Jefferson's impact in them. He has flipped so much. You know, I mean, you know, the, the media brings up all the time, that you know, all the, all the, the nine now uh, one possession wins by by the Vikings. Jefferson has flipped so many of those. Uh, yes. just, you know, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you, you can point to very specific plays or just the body of work over a, a very close win. But in, in this one – I mean, he obviously had an awesome game the, the entire time. But that one catch I was just talking about, that absolutely insane catch, it was with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter of a tied game. Uh, he comes down with it for 36 yards, and then the Vikings are now on the uh, New England's 15-yard line with, like, nine minutes left, obviously tied game. And the, the very next play, if you'll recall, Jefferson, he, he, he crosses over to the right, three Patriots defenders – just immediately went on to Jefferson. He was triple teamed on that play, which is what opened up Thielen crossing the other way to be open in the corner of the end zone. And mm-hmm. Cousins had an absolute dime of a throw. Cousins yesterday had three or four throws that were like, wow, mm-hmm. it, we, we got we got Kirk O'Chain's back. Yeah, exactly. Also props last night. I mean, it was a wide open catch. He was in the middle of the field all by himself. But good to see the corpse of Jalen Rager getting into the mix and yeah. making a play on offense for the Vikings. So that's I think that's he just wants I think Jalen Rager just wants us to say his name more often in the broadcast because he does. He does little things once in a while. I'm like, oh good, we can mention him this week and we never get to do it. But here we We've are. We've talked about this before, and for no other fact that it's just interesting. I, I find it incredibly interesting and borderline comical that for two years, all he was told in Philly was, oh, we should have drafted Justin Jefferson. <laughs> then he gets traded to the team with Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's kind of incredible <sighs> to me. But hey, Poetic as, long as, as long as everybody buys it and gets along, and apparently and clearly they are, let's mm-hmm. go. Speaking, you know, of, speaking of poetic, Jesse, I learned my transitions from you. Speaking I'm proud of, of you. Speaking of poetic, Kevin O'Connell, you know the guy who drafted him when he came oh, out of San yeah. Diego State? Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. uh, 2008 in the as a fifth round or whatever, and and now he he gets to beat his his mentor and his first coach and in in, in in this game where if we talked last week about how or earlier this week about how important this one was for O'Connell and his staff to make the adjustments and knowing that now you you know you know you knew Darisaw was out Darisaw is a top three tackle in the NFL now you're falling down to Blake Brando who's just a guy and then. You, you know, in the cornerback room, you were all the way down to a practice squad guy starting because you had the the, the yeah. three injuries, Dantzler, Booth, and Evans. So Duke Shelley had to step in. And by the way, hats off to Duke Shelley as well. He he and Br- uh, Brando were, um, I, 
Brandle, Brendel, um, were, were two of the young sung heroes of this game just because those were such problematic areas coming in. And, and both those guys were not disasters, which is basically all they needed with the help that they were getting from some of these adjustments like we were talking about. Last time we were talking about how the Vikings against the Cowboys, they were spreading, they were trying to spread the field and then throw downfield, but they were only keeping five guys back to protect against that awesome pass rush. And so, so the gates were just being stormed every single time. In this game, KOC was was leaving back more, more guys on the longer concepts to block to help out but then there was a lot more of those shorter concepts that we had talked about too which would help keep the pass rush at bay so so kudos to for, you know to Shelly and, and to the adjustments as well mm-hmm. yeah, two other things to note one game related one post game I, I thought it was interesting that the Patriots seemingly could have ran at will excuse me against the Vikings defensive line and just kind of chose not to and maybe yeah. that was to try and get Mac Jones, some momentum and a little bit of mojo. Not really sure it cost them last night, but I did find that interesting. It just seemed like the run game could have been there all night long for the Patriots, and they chose not to utilize it as much as they should have. Uh, Second off, how about Bill getting a little sentimental in his old age? He spent like double the time with KOC at midfield as he does Mm -hmm. with pretty much anybody else. So there must be, uh, you know, Bill, Bill's probably a little bit bitter about spending that third round pick on a quarterback that didn't pan out. But he's probably a little sentimental that, you know, hey, this is my guy. Gives him a little extra love at midfield. So mildly cool to see. Yeah. You know, brush off Thielen, but a little love for KOC. We'll take it. We will take it. Now, there Grudges is... never forget. Grudges <laughs> never forget. Can you tell uh, we're recording this post-holiday morning? By the way, every one of us has to try and go off camera and clear our throats. Yes, right? <laughs> so it's that time of year. It's that time of season. What are you going to do? Um Let's talk some negatives, guys, because it's not all, you know, positive and rainbows and sunshine. The defense or the lack thereof. Where do we want to start? What how can we help Ed Donato? Like, what can we do? Obviously, as we've mentioned, health is the number one thing that it just it happens, especially at this point in time in a year. But I, you know, do you mix it up? Do you go four three instead of three four? Uh, why not blitz on first and second? I don't know. What are your suggestions, boys, to help our boy Ed Dantel and the Minnesota Vikings defense out? It was it wasn't like a perfect game script by Donatel, but I, I thought he had um, improvement as well. And and we had talked uh, in the last episode about how Belichick almost assuredly was going to come out and try to attack that injury ravaged Viking secondary, which even at, at full strength that, you know, the, the Vikings, they've given up a, a very high completion percentage to their opponents. And they've also given up a high preponderance of explosive passing plays. So mm-hmm. Belichick knowing this and then also knowing how far down the Vikings were on their depth chart. He did what he did in that Monday night football game all those years ago that I was talking about when he came out and he he just ran air raid the, the entire time. That was the strategy here. I don't necessarily uh, disagree with it. Mac Jones ended up having a career high passing yards, 382 passing yards, and he went 28 for 32 and, and had the two touchdowns. But like, I mean, you know, like they had to lean into that and, and you go away from the run and, and the Vikings were able to hold them to, to 26 points and only 10 of them came after halftime. 10 of them came in the third quarter and they got a goose egg in, in the fourth quarter. And I thought that was really the, the thing that, that you sort of have to acknowledge about Donatel in this game where we've been so ticked off in some of these other ones about the lack of adjustments and stuff like that. It felt like he, you know, at the beginning of the thing, he was like sort of feeling out what Belichick was doing. It's like, oh yeah, they're just going to pass, 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 pass. And there was adjustments made along the way. And by the end of it, 
they had sort of figured it out. Like Mac Jones is not the, the most physically gifted guy. It's why he fell to the middle of the first round, even though he put up absolutely bazooka numbers at, you know, his last year and a half at Alabama or whatever. And, and, you know, and, and then their, their receiving core, it's not, it's not that it's not great shakes. It's like, you know, Devonte Parker and Aguilar and, and Myers. And I think Myers got hurt in that game too. And Kendrick Bourne and, and, and stuff like that. And I felt like the, the adjustments that Donatel made, um, I, I was totally fine with, and the proof was in the pudding and it allowed the Vikings offense when it got cooking to, to get by the Patriots and then hold on to that win. Can we just talk about Ross drifting off into the shadows once in a while here? Yeah, it's just beautiful. You know, the home setup is not nearly as nice and conducive as as the work setup, but hey, it is what it is. I thought that that's what you were giggling at the I one. Couldn't help it. I, think I, I, I think I figured it out. If I lean back too far, it goes away, and then when I come back in, it readjusts. Oh. Uh, I, I, Thor had had a lot of great points there, so not many that I'll dispute or go against. I think each game, to a degree, has to be viewed as its own season. Last night, I think, is really tough to judge Ed Donatel too harshly when he has literally next to no secondary. I mean, right. it, again, uh, uh, Thor, say his name for me. I love the way you say it. Ed Donatel? No, no, no. Shelley. Oh, Duke Shelley? Duke, oh, it's the way he says Duke. He puts a Thor puts a great emphasis Duke. on the K. <laughs> Shelley. Duke Shelley wasn't even on the roster two months ago. You know, he was yeah. signed off of, I, I believe, he was either signed off the practice squad or had been released from the Cardinals. So there's only so much you can do. The only thing that I would say is the Vikings blitz rate and pressure rate is, is very low. I would consider blitzing more on first and second down. If you're going to constantly give this big shell on third down where you're allowing for teams to hit you on crossing patterns and slants and pick up those first downs so many times on third and long that it's mind boggling and frustrating well, instead of teams facing third and eight, maybe it would be nicer if they were facing third and 13, third and 15 more. Uh, but again, I'm not even sure that the personnel allows for that. We talked about this going back to the beginning of the season. I I've been very critical of Ed Donatel. I'm probably going to continue to be very critical of Ed Donatel. Probably. But to a, to a degree, he can only coach the talent that he has. Right now, he's very thin at corner. And again, his best players are aging. And I, yeah. and I thought when you talk about last night for three quarters, the Vikings didn't get a lot of pressure. And then Zedaria Smith and Daniel Hunter did in the fourth quarter. Some of that, I think, can just be attributed to you are asking, quote unquote, older players to get healthy and be fully rested on three days rest. And I thought that showed early. But good news, they were able to find it late and again, get the job done. So at the end of the day, teams nine and two and won a game against a Hall of Fame coach and a team with a winning record inarguably maybe one of the best, if not the best divisions, at least record-wise and how jumbled up they are in the NFL, they get credit for that. So I'll tone my disdain for Ed Donatel and I'll leave it for Greg Joseph. If and when. I was, oh, yes. I was going to say, I want to give Ross you the platform to discuss Greg Joseph. But first I want to ask you guys about the Hunter Henry touchdown that was ruled incomplete. What was your guys' take on that? I mean, obviously as Minnesota Vikings fans, you're like, yeah, of course it was not. But looking back on it, even this morning, I'm like, ah, did he maintain possession before he hit the ground? Like I could Maybe I mean it's a different game, obviously. Uh, what did you guys make of that situation? 
What I made of it is, is you know, the refs not only made the call on the field, they also went under the hood for a while, and they had the whole general counsel of the refs around, and that's what they decided after the replay. For the New England fans that were – I was about to use the word that starts with a B. Complain, if they, they were comp- <laughs> complaining about uh, this and, like, being like, oh, that's the reason that the Patriots lost the game because obviously then that turned into a, a field goal or whatever. It's like, what else do you want? You got the replay. You got everyone to look mm-hmm. at it. And you can't say that ball didn't hit the ground. Like, I mean, it, it wasn't one of those, like, th- there's the ones where the guy catches it and then he goes to the ground. And he so clearly has possession when he catches it and, and then he hits the ground. Th- with the Henry one, th- the best I'll say for it is it was up in the air and you could say it was up for interpretation. But the refs went in and looked at it, and that's yeah. what they decided. And you, again, you can't say that he a thousand percent had full control of that ball, and then it hits the ground, which absolutely helped him to secure it. So, like th- this idea that it was like a blown call after all that, I, I think is kind of a joke, and it's kind of sour grapes on the New England fans. Surviving part. the ground is what you have Here. to do. I know, right? Like the NFL senior VP of officiating, Walt Anderson, even answered it, saying because as he's going to the ground, he has to maintain control of the ball upon contacting the ground. A lot of people uh, refer to it as surviving the ground. So as he's going to the ground, he has the elements of two feet and control. But because he's going to the ground, he has to maintain control of the ball when he does go to the ground. If I said ground one more time, I don't even know. You guys want to like drink every time I say it. I don't know. Here's the thing. It is the right call. That is the rule. It's the right call. They made the right call. And if I yeah. say right anymore... Sorry, I mean, I you won't that. be saying right too much in this next segment that I want to give you, Ross. Okay. Uh, Greg well, OK, give me give me one second. I want to finish this and tie something together. It can be the right call and still not be the right call. I mean, uh, so and, and what I mean by that is for years, I have long said uh, PJ Fleck would be really great for this. And I think KOC is getting to the point where he'd be great for this. Every team should employ a common guy coordinator, which is basically Jesse Thor or Ross sitting in the booth, tapped into the headset with a surly furious or a before I die. And when you hear things like, Hey, it's third and one, we have a potential hall of fame running back. Let's throw it 15 yards downfield and then potentially punt common guy coordinator comes in and says, KOC just, and that's cute, but just hand the ball off and get the first down, okay? <laughs> Common guy coordinator would also look at the Hunter Henry thing and say, wait a second, you give the ball to Dalvin Cook at the two. He runs to the outside, stretches, breaks the plane and drops the ball or has it knocked out of his hand and it's a touchdown. But Hunter Henry goes all matrix, catches the ball with possession, breaks the plane, hits the ground, it maybe kind of moves a little bit, and that's not a catch. That's just, I mean, I'll be honest. Happy it went the Vikings way, but it is kind of stupid and preposterous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, common uh, guy coordinator. I like common I'm, guy coordinator. I really uh, enjoy that. Can you imagine just any one of us sitting in the booth pounding Surly Furious as it going, ah, Kevin, don't My do that. My headache right now hates the idea <laughs> of it, but otherwise, any other day, yes, absolutely, I am on board. Um, Ross, please prepare yourself to talk about Craig Joseph. All right. Uh, the floor is yours, sir. They're not going to do anything. If they were going to do something, they would have done it by now. A- and uh, what will eventually draw the ire is when Greg Joseph misses a kick that costs the Vikings a game, mm-hmm. which, by the way, they're walking a fine line, as, as Thor mentioned. 
nine times this year, one score games. Even last night, it almost came into play. Look, I get it. I mean, he's been money from inside of 50 on field goals, but we all know a miss is coming. It's only natural. I'm not trying to rip on Greg Joseph there, but he's making virtually nothing from beyond 50. By the way, Brett Maher is making 60-plus yarders even when we're messing with him, and he's making it look easy. Our guy can't even get the ball more than six feet off the ground so it doesn't get blocked on 50-yard field goals. And the extra points thing is inexcusable. I get it. You might bring in a kicker who is more erratic on field goals, uh, but I'm sorry. The extra points, again, I've said this before, your offense scored a touchdown reward them by making the extra point. Right. If you miss a field goal, whatever, I can live with it. That technically means, and Kirk Cousins would tell you the same thing, we failed because we didn't score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I, to a degree, can live with missed field goals. I can't watch him miss any more extra points because, again, you just know a big field goal miss is coming. You're playing with fire yeah. every week. And I don't know what can be done. Again, I I, I concede. I Again, go look at the kickers on the market. I, I don't know. There's really not one that's probably much better, but they might be better at making extra points. I, I, I just, I'm getting tired of it. It's, yeah. it's very frustrating. I, I, I just wanted to hop, you know, all the criticism of, of Joseph is correct. And I've now tweeted out I, three, four, during three or four different games this season, release Greg Joseph. So that's just the boat I'm on. But going, flipping to the other side of the special teams, I have to shout out Ryan Wright. Who continues to do really yes. well? We don't sh- we don't shout him out as much because usually go during this, the, the the special team segment we just go after Greg Joseph justifiably, of course. But yesterday, uh, Ryan Wright has three more punts inside the twenty. All three of his punts went inside the twenty. Ryan Wright now has so he leads the NFL in in punts uh, down inside the twenty with twenty six. He has zero touchbacks still. You know we, we talked about this a little over a month ago, but that has has remained. The next highest guy in terms of his uh, uh, the amount of punts he's gotten inside the 20 without a touchback, he has 16, yeah. right? Like Ryan Wright continues to be a very underrated uh, field position flipper for the Vikings. Uh, by the way, just for fun, if you want to see how far down, and again, it's all the 50 yarders Greg Joseph is, you can praise Ryan Wright and I agree with it, but I'm still going to rip Greg Joseph. <laughs> I-, I went to NFL.com and just pulled up kicking statistics if you want to look at field goal made percentage to find Greg Joseph, you have to go to the bottom of page two. <laughs> he's not on the bottom of page Tough one. Scene. He's on the bottom of page two. Just and eight. Half Tough. of his games are indoors. He's missing extra points indoors. Were the windy doors open last night? I mean, <laughs> I just, I don't get it. And by the way, almost every extra point he's pushing right. Should we, should we, can we maybe put him in the center or line him up to the left? There you go. Just try something different. Yeah, I like it. Why not? Uh, Ryan Wright uh, would be, if you took team MVP votings, he would be number two behind Justin Jefferson. That's how how fantastic he has been this year. And by the way, uh, Wong Wu with the touchdown return last night or the kick return. Mm -hmm. The Vikings special team should get credit because I tweeted out in the first half, the Vikings special teams was anything but special that night. And they weren't. The kick coverage was pretty poor last night, but they made up for it when it mattered most. So again, props to them. Yeah, I I agree. Like I can't add anything at all. Is, uh, does the does the site moveon.org still exist? Is that what it is? We should do like move on from Greg.org. <laughs> I just was uh a Wong, where did he go to college? Do we know? I, I knew I you were gonna curious. bring this up. I, I think it was 
Uh, you know what? Uh, people think it was Iowa State, but I believe it was uh, Iowa. It was not. Go Cyclones. <laughs> I will never, ever miss the opportunity to chirp on Thor and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Go Cyclones. Just saying. Um, anyway, and speaking of obligatory fantasy football update, I forgot to set my lineup yesterday. So, sorry. Guys. Oh, no. Obligatory fantasy football mention. Things are not going well for Team Jesse. Actually, my team name is the Icebox. Shout out to Little Giants. If you get yes. it, you know. But it is not. I was like halfway through game one and I was like, oh my gosh, what have Coach, I done? Coach, what was my time? I don't know. I don't have a sundial. <laughs> so good. So Such good. a great movie. Such a great flick. Uh, gentlemen, should we wrap up this episode? Should we do that? Maybe go get a little nap in before the Minnesota Wild play at one o'clock for some people. That might be nice. Are you perhaps are you perhaps calling for time now for the before we die crew to give us their before we dies? Wow, look at that. That was hands down our best transition. I'm proud of us. This is this is good. Let's do our before we dies. Ross, why don't you kick us off tonight? I there's many different ways I can go with this. I, I try and keep it, you know, 50 50 as far as Vikings related or not Vikings related. I tried something out on you that I think I'll save for my bar down beauties podcast uh, debut, you know, still <laughs> waiting, waiting for that invite. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with this. There are rumors and I believe them to be true that our guy uh, last night was the egg bowl between Mississippi state yeah. and Ole Miss. And uh, I am just incredibly entertained by both Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin have been for years. I think Mike Leach is a, I don't want, I don't know him personally, so I can't say he's a phenomenal human being, but he is great for college football to a degree. I think Lane Kiffin is great for college football. Minnesota's right? own Lane Kiffin. Exactly. Yeah. And for years, I, I thought that uh, P.J. Fleck was the current head coach at Minnesota. Lane Kiffin was the next head coach at Minnesota. I now do believe that Lane Kiffin is off to Auburn. And I will make a prediction. Unless he's fired before I die, Lane Kiffin will spend at least a half a decade at his next coaching stop. All which right. would be incredible for him because he's typically gone from everywhere in two or three seasons. But if he truly goes to Auburn and I believe he might, and he's successful there, he will stay there because there's really not many better jobs than that one. So before I die, Lane Kiffin will coach at least five years at one location. I like it. I like it. Thor, what you, what you got? What do you got before we die? Before I die, I want the media to take accountability for their words earlier this week about the Vikings. There was a lot of aspersions cast, a lot of a lot of strays were shot the Vikings way. I, I'll just I'll just go one specific was Kyle Brandt, who had been pumping the tires of the Vikings all season. And then earlier this week, he goes that the loss to the Cowboys, even if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, it doesn't mean anything because of their loss to the Cowboys. But like <laughs> th 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 That was like a prevailing notion amongst the media. It was like that one result. It's like toss out everything before it, but also toss out everything after it. That's how fraudulent this team is. No, nothing matters. We don't have to pay attention to them. And, and again, you know, three, four days coming off that loss to Dallas that and, and still severely injury compromised. The, the Vikings did what they just did to uh, the Patriots. I, I want for this coming week, at least the like the media, it seems like they're not going to give 
the Vikings uh, do respect for being nine and two and being the two seed. And by the way, having one of the, uh, the best wins in the NFL all season by winning at Buffalo. Um, but like, not even that just, just sort of uh, telling the truth about them or, or taking some accountability for, for their, their previous words. Th- this team is still in a very good spot. And once they get healthy again, that's where they get really dangerous, especially with the position where they put themselves being nine and two through 11 games. Mm-hmm. On that very quickly, Thor, did the Vikings reannounce their presence to the NFC that they're legit contenders? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the Patriots came in to the game with the number one DVOA uh, defense and, you know, the, the Vikings offense was, was, was humming. I think in the first half, by the way, the Vikings had more offensive yards in the first half than the Patriots had given up like in their last two games combined or something like that. And, and the Vikings then, then they started scoring all the way through to the end of the game, you know, on, or in, until their last uh, touchdown where they went ahead, the, the Thielen one, that, that's where it was five straight. So, I mean, just, you know, all around good stuff. And, and the fact that the Vikings did that on off of four days without a top three NFL offensive tackle and down to the practice squad cornerback on one side with literally zero depth behind him against a solid team, I thought was really impressive. And hopefully, again, the, the, the media starts to speak the truth about the Vikings a little bit more instead of just sort of falling back on these cliches and, and sort of this group bully mentality about the way to view the Vikings, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think I- it's- as long as the media in and around Hennepin <laughs> County respects the Vikings, I think that's all that matters. It's fun. I hopped on a, a sports show up in Canada earlier this week, and they were asking about that. Like, you know, it seems like nobody really likes the Minnesota Vikings, even though they're doing this. And I was like, you're right. And we all know it here in Minnesota. It pains us. No respect for our teams ever. Yada, yada. Went on this whole tangent. Those poor Winnipeg people are like, we don't care about it. They'll, they'll says, put some respect fine. on the name if and when the Minnesota Vikings party with the Lombardi. Ooh. What if, if, all right, so before we die, if the Minnesota Vikings, once they win 12 games, I will do a formal apology to Thor for calling him insane earlier this year, because I did, I still look back and I'm like, I really thought you were crazy, man. And you still might be (laughs) still might be, but I was a little harsh. So before we die, I will apologize to Thor. It's not going to be this week. It's not coming this week. It's probably not coming next week, but eventually that that will be that will be the highlight of my holiday season. There will be no <laughs> Christmas present I can get. It will mean as much to me as an apology from Jesse Pierce. So I hope, we, if, I hope we get there. Even if he's right and he's going to be and maybe even more than 12 wins still doesn't mean he's not crazy. I mean, this oh, I'm is definitely true. crazy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we can get my psychologist on the next episode and can sit in for me. You guys can just sort of go through it with him if you want. Yeah. As we as we close here, and Jesse, per usual, I'll let you take us home. Uh, I am very thankful for you two and this Before We Die crew and Purple Daily and the community that Purple Daily has built. But most importantly, the people who are consuming this podcast on YouTube and in podcast form, whether you hate listen, whether you actually like us, <laughs> I really don't care. That sounds bad. But I'm very, very happy that you take your time to consume this podcast. So very, very thankful for people. I know in today's world, Jesse and Thor, there are a thousand different ways and a thousand and one different people you can consume content from. So the fact that you watching on YouTube or downloading this podcast do a couple times a week, thank you very much. It it means a lot for me and everybody at uh, Hubbard and the Purple Daily crew. The, 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 the listeners are awesome. Like the ones we've met at the live events are all super duper cool. They're, yes. 
the messages I've gotten, you know, the, the replies you see on Twitter, the replies you see on YouTube, most of them, like the 20% of them, it's like, man, maybe you should have just held that one back a little bit. But like, but, but you know, the vast majority of it, everyone's just super cool out, out there and, and very grateful as well. Thor's just you know, mad you guys don't appreciate his eyes as much as you appreciate mine. So it's fine. I, that is I true. Need, there is some jealousy about that, but <laughs> I do need to remind everybody, by the way, scorenorth.com slash shop, scorenorth.com slash shop. 15% off right now with the promo code Black Friday. You mm, can also nice. find it at scorenorth.com. 15% off promo code Black Friday. Get at it. Uh, again, I would echo what Ross said. You guys are awesome. Appreciate. This has been such a fun ride Except for, for me. Except for the person who despises me, who I won't give them the yes. credit. <laughs> yes. Saying Everything you name, say. It's... But I... <laughs> Like even things you don't say, but allude to. Yeah, like, you are like feeling in Belichick, you and that guy that comment. I was getting ripped for something by that person that I didn't even say. I'm like, what is happening here? I'm just catching strays. That's brilliant, brilliant. Well, again, thank you everybody for checking us out. Go shop, go get some purple daily gear garb. Uh, they have some before we die garb as well, I believe. Correct, Ross? That they great can use. Yes, they do, and great or yes, we do, and great use of the word garb. Thank you. Also, Thor, I meant to say this about 20 minutes ago. Great use of the word preponderance. Oh, yes. thank you. Just yeah. words, words. <laughs> That's what we do here. We're spewing Vikings words, usually positive each and every week, twice a week. Next episode released on Monday. Um, this episode coming to you on a Friday because the Vikings played on a Thursday, but normally Mondays and, and Thursdays for you. Uh, Purple Daily, obviously stock full of all your great Vikings content. It's a fun year to be a Vikings fan, you guys. We love it. Uh, we're going to wrap this episode. Have a great day, great weekend, and uh, go Vikings. Skull nine and two Vikings. World of the boat, Sky Yamai, go Vikings. <laughs>